Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Today's AdMail, we've got three really good questions. One from YouTube and, and two from um, listeners of the uh, podcast. So thanks everyone for participating. Thanks for sending in the questions, getting tons of questions. You can always send them in by YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email info at IRA Financial and just let us know you have a question and you want it to be answered on ad mail. So I'm going to just get right into it because uh really excited about these questions. So the first one is from YouTube. And it says, can you set up a solo 401k with an EIN attached to a sole proprietor and later change it to an EIN attached to an LLC or S Corp as the business evolves? Um, so the answer is yes. Okay, it's a good question because things happen, right? You start off as an LLC and then maybe you want to move to an S Corp or you dissolve your LLC or merge it into a corp. This stuff happens. So yes, the answer is yes. You technically can simply amend the plan documents. Again, if so long as you're the sole owner of both businesses or it's part of the same control group, you basically will amend the plan um, even if you simply classify it as a different entity or or the like, we will amend the plan docs and then obviously notify the IRS that the plan document is now being sponsored by a related entity um, with the same EIN. So if you are changing companies, i.e. you went from a sole proprietor using your social and now you're going to do an S Corp, um, same thing. Um, in that case, we would notify the IRS. The plan document can stay the same because it's, it's all part of one control group still common ownership, 80% or more controlled by the same party. So we would notify the IRS that the um, either it's a new EIN because you were using a social um, or if you had a prior EIN and now simply just either change the name or uh, change the entity classification or the type of entity, we would notify the IRS. You wouldn't necessarily need to dissolve the plan, start a new one. Um, I've had some, some clients that really you know, pushed us to just start a new plan and that's fine. Um, you know, we ended up just terminating one and starting the next. It just gets a little bit fishy because technically if you terminate a plan, you're not supposed to start another one for 12 months. So I always just say, we'll have both open for now and then you can ultimately just terminate the other one when you're not using it. But the easiest way is, yeah, we'll just, we'll just notify the IRS of, of the entity change and you can use the same plan. Uh, that's generally the easiest approach, especially if you're going to keep the same name of the plan. So thanks for that uh, really good question. Second question is from John G of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And John wants to know, can you explain the Biden 401k credit proposal in simple terms? So this, I've done a bunch of stuff on this. I've done a video, a uh, bunch of videos, done a bunch of podcasts. Um, obviously we know President Biden is going to take office in January 20th. You're going to have a situation when you're going to have a Democratic Congress, Democratic Senate by slim majority. But now that the two runoffs in Georgia are finished, 
and the Democrats won both of those runoff races, we now have a situation where we're going to have a Democratic-controlled government. So if you look back to some of the Biden-Harris proposals for 401k plans, first, let's just you know, briefly just mention that their principle is, hey, we want everything to be more equitable, right? We want people, whether you're making lots of money or a little bit of money, we want it to benefit all parties, okay? Who's, who's not in favor of that, right? Everyone wants people to save for retirement. I always say, and I'll continue to say, it's the one bipartisan government program uh, out there, right? Forget about Medicare, Social Security. No one fights over a retirement system because it works based off math, deferral, compounded interest. It works whether you're low income or high income. The more you put in, the more consistent you are, the longer you keep it in, the richer you're going to be, okay? And it, the math shows that you don't have to be a billionaire to end up with seven figures at retirement. I actually wrote a book about this. And it's true. You, you can be low to middle income, just be consistent, put a bunch of dollars away every week, and you'll have seven figures at retirement. So it works. So what Biden's trying to do is you know, push the envelope even further and make it even more equitable, okay? So what he's trying to do Basically, instead of using a system where if you are in the 35% tax bracket and you get make 401k contributions, you'll generally get a 35% tax deduction, right? If you made a $10,000 contribution pre-tax to a 401k and you're in the 35% tax bracket, that deduction's worth 35% generally, right? Because that's what tax bracket you're in. Whereas if you're in the 10% tax bracket and you put 5,000 bucks in your 401k, that deduction is only worth 10%, okay? Because that's the bracket you're in. So what he proposed to do, and again, I'm not sure if this will become law soon or ever, right? They definitely could do this. There's you know, budget reconciliation. I don't think this will ever be part of, uh, of an immediate process. Um, I think they got bigger things ahead of them you know, with COVID and all kinds of stuff going on. So this could be part of maybe a separate retirement bill. Um, I don't think it will be part of the Secure Act 2. It wasn't in the initial draft uh, by the Ways and Means Committee in December, actually in November. Um, but it could be part of a, a larger bill. And the idea is, hey, let's equalize this credit. We're going to give everyone, no matter their tax bracket, 26% credit. So if you're in the 35% tax bracket or the 20% tax bracket, you're going to get a 26% credit for your deduction. Uh, so if someone earns 120 and contributes 18,000 to the plan, they'd receive a tax credit of 26 cents on each dollar or 46.80. Whereas the person earning $50,000 and saving 7,500 in his plan receive a credit of 1950, which is more than double what they would save now. So the idea is to benefit lower income persons so they'll save more um, and get a bigger credit. I'm not sure it's going to work because, unfortunately, the people you know in the lower income bracket they want to save more. It's not that they don't. It just comes down to dollars and cents. If you make less money, you just aren't going to be able to put away as much as someone who makes more. Just it just comes down to it. Doesn't mean they can't get to seven figures over time. It just means on a year to year basis they need to start earlier and be more consistent. Because if you make fifty grand. Versus someone that makes 150, the amount you can put away is not the same. Everyone has bills, they got mortgages, they got 
all kinds of stuff and pay for food and vocations and kids stuff. And so it's just not practical. I just don't think this is going to really work. I, it's a good idea and sense because if it does work great, you'll get more people saving for retirement. But I just don't think people in the low to middle bracket are not saving because they don't want to. It just comes down to dollars and cents. So even if you encourage them and give them a bigger tax deduction, um, I don't, it'll maybe moderately help. It will help save some taxes, which is good, but I don't think it will help them contribute more uh, to their retirement. So we'll see. Anyways, that's kind of the principle behind it is to make the contributions and the benefits more equal. There's a risk that high income earners could just go Roth if they feel like 26 cent credit isn't worth it. Um, but who knows? We'll see if it ever gets put into law. Uh, now with a controlled government, there's a good chance uh, that something like this could get through in the next couple of years. So thanks, John. Third and final question is from Joan A. of Galveston, Texas. And Joan wants to know, can you explain the different tax treatment of buying Bitcoin in an IRA versus personally? So I'll do it again. Done a bunch of videos on this. You can check them out on YouTube done a bunch of podcasts and I may have done an ad mail on this, but uh, they're good questions. Obviously, Bitcoin's been you know super hot. Cryptos as a digital asset has been one of the best performing assets of 2020. Bitcoin was up over 300%. Ethereum was up over 400%. 2021 has gone off to a bang, although you know, it's been quite volatile um, you know, in the second week of January, but uh, it's definitely a hot uh, asset. So if you buy an IRA, all your gains are deferred. If you buy in a Roth IRA and you wait till you're 59 and a half and the Roth's been open five years, you can pull the money out without ever paying a cent in tax. So there's no ordinary income tax, no capital gains tax. If you buy personally, we know under IRS notice 2014-21, Bitcoin is treated as property, just like real estate, just like stocks. So if you sell Bitcoin personally and you have only held the Bitcoin less than 12 months, you're going to pay ordinary income tax, whatever your tax bracket is. If you hold it greater than 12 months, you're going to pay capital gains tax, which is currently 15% or 20% if you're over a certain income threshold, plus a 3% Obama you know, Medicare tax. So roughly 15 to 23%. Okay, so the key is obviously if it's short-term capital gains held less than 12 months, you're dealing with ordinary income. If it's long-term gains, it's a lower tax bracket. Again, Biden uh, has proposed that if you have over a million dollars of gains um, or income, that capital gains rate of whether it's short-term or long-term will go to 40%. So that is not law yet. That's very possible to become law in the next two years. Um, with a controlled government that's Democrat, but it's not law yet. So for all you Bitcoin, Bitcoin holders, if you owned it in an IRA or Roth IRA, you wouldn't have to worry who the president was, whether they're a Democrat or Republican or whoever. You don't care because with a pre-tax IRA, all the gains are deferred. And once you're over 59 and a half, you can just pull it out or pay ordinary income tax, or you can convert it to Roth. And if you convert it to Roth, try to do it on a dip. Because if you bought Bitcoin at, at 20000 and now it's at 40000 you may not want to convert at that price. You may want to wait till it takes a little dip and then convert it then and then lock in your tax-free gains and then just be patient. Wait till you're 59 and a half. The Roth's been open at least five years. And guess what? No tax. Don't have to worry about tax changes, who's in president is, who controls Congress, who controls the Senate. Don't have to worry about all that stuff. You can get, you can focus on 
other stuff and, and not get boiled down into politics. So, Joan, there you have it. There's a big advantage, I think, of buying Bitcoin in IRA. I've done it for four years. It's, it's I haven't cashed out, thankfully. I'm only 45, but got lots of gains, and I look forward to reaping them all tax-free. The idea is, again, Bitcoin, I believe its value is in the long term. I don't think we've seen the, 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 the future value of Bitcoin yet. It may take five years, 10 years, 20 years. It will come. Digital assets are the future. There's no doubt. So if you believe in the asset and you believe in the long-term growth, then own it in a Roth IRA. Because the whole idea of being an IRA investor is you should be a long-term investor. So it's actually, it really matches up well with the intent of a retirement account. So I think it's a really good opportunity. I've done it. I'm not encouraging anyone to do it. I'm just a tax lawyer. It's been, it's worked out for, for me really well. Um, something I believe in. I also do believe in diversification, whether it's gold, whether it's real estate. Don't think you should have all your money tied up in equities, stocks. Um, I just think it's smart to diversify. And it's not just me. That's pretty much any financial advisor would probably tell you the same. So I don't think it's it's awful uh, or, or anything negative to, to put away some of your IRA and, and buy either gold, Bitcoin, real estate, and just diversify. Um, I think you'll be better off. So thanks, Joan. Thanks for your question. Um, thanks to the YouTube question, John and Joan. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Definitely subscribe if you haven't already. It's a weekly podcast. Also check out AdBits, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple, or wherever you pick up your podcasts. And obviously, don't forget Adam Talks which is in tax attorney's alternative take on investment, retirement, and tax different subjects. So um, again, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and talk to everyone again next week.